Welcome to the Daily Detox Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Center, integrative health practitioner, licensed occupational therapist, and your health detective. I'm excited to share with you natural, evidence-based, and effective solutions for achieving wellness. Become educated and empowered to transform your health for a more vibrant and happy life. Welcome, welcome. You are listening to Daily Detox with Steph. I am your host, Stephanie Center. If this is your first time tuning in, you picked a stellar show to start with. I learned so much about how to master hormones with Dr. Renee. I don't even know where to start. You're just going to have to listen to the whole thing. She is a wealth of information and she's like super cool. So it was, it was really fun to connect with her. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Today is a special day for me. I, we just did our final walkthrough today for our new home and it was so sweet y'all. The family moving out has four small children And they made us this rainbow sign that said, welcome to your new home. We wish you the very best. And then they said, you know, love their name. And they taped it to the wall in the like kitchen slash dining room, like in between the two. There's this, this, you know, I'm bad with words right now, this barrier wall. And this wall had all of their heights like as they grew older. And so you'd see all these little lines on the wall with, you know, the child's name next to it. And, oh, Lord have mercy. I pray for the painter that has to paint over that because I think I would cry my eyes out if I had to paint over that. So I'm really glad that I am not the one who has to do that. But yeah, I just thought that that was really sweet. And It just really made me feel like we are moving into this home that knows love. And I think I'm one of those people that I'm really weird about my spaces. Like it has to have the right feel and vibe. And like this house, you guys, just exudes love. So that makes me really excited. By the time you're listening to this episode, we will have actually already closed on this house and we will be in the midst of all of our renovations. We are making some low tox, so that's my fun way of saying low toxin, renovations. And if you don't already follow me on Instagram, hop on over to my page at Holistic Stephanie Marie because I am sharing all of my secrets to low tox living as we do these renovations. So I have done hours upon hours upon hours of research on upholstery, paint, cookware, air filters, water filters. Oh my gosh, the list goes on and on and on. So I'm sharing that with you because I wish somebody would have shared this with me. It saved me a lot of time and energy. So you can hop on over to my Instagram. Again, it's at Holistic Stephanie Marie. I'll be sharing this information in both posts and in stories. So make sure to check out both of those. You can also join my private Facebook group. You can just type in Daily Detox with Steph 
in this in the Facebook uh, search bar and you'll find me you'll find my group and I'll be sharing some more detailed information I guess the information that I share on Instagram Instagram's a lot easier to share videos and it's just easier for me to upload things to Instagram but Facebook allows me to share links so if you wanted to find the link to where we got our bedding or where, what type of water filtration system we went with, you know, if you wanted the links to something, hop on over to the Facebook group because that's where that information will be. I just don't think there's a way to do links on Instagram. Otherwise I would just have it all there all in one place, but I don't, I really don't know how to do that. I don't, I don't think that's an option unless I'm selling something, which I'm not. Okay, before I go any further, I want to give a big shout out to my editor extraordinaire, Beth. And Beth, you better not cut this part out because I know you have jurisdiction (laughs) over what makes the final cut. So keep this in. I sound good because she makes me sound good. Beth does a lot of behind the scenes work to make this audio great. So everybody give Beth a round of applause. I appreciate her so much and all that she does. The show literally would not exist without her. I tried editing. This is really funny. I tried editing the show one time and that was back when I first started and Beth was so sweet. She got on a Zoom call and tried to teach me how to edit these so I could edit them myself. And I learned really quickly that I can't. I'm just, I'm not cut out for that. I don't, my brain just doesn't work that way. And Beth makes it look so seamless and easy and it's not, it's hard. So thank you, Beth, for all that you do. I'm so, so grateful for you. Also wanted to say a big thanks to you all. You know, I opened up my one-on-one practice not that long ago and I really didn't know what to expect. To be honest, I didn't, I didn't anticipate the type of response that I got. I am a little overwhelmed by your response. I I didn't realize, I guess, that there was such a need for what I'm offering. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for trusting me and guiding you through your health journey with the use of functional diagnostic testing. There is nothing that brings me greater joy than to have the opportunity to get to the root cause of why you don't feel well. And I'm in my personal zone of genius when I can look at lab work, when I can play detective and I can really put the puzzle pieces together. That's, that's kind of where I'm in my zone. That's just what I'm really good at. And so it's really nice to finally be able to offer that service to others and to help people feel better. You know, I really think that this pandemic has given us all a fresh look on healthcare and where we want to be in terms of taking ownership of our own health and wellness. Because really, this pandemic hit us when we were already in a pandemic. We are in this obesity and malnutrition and metabolic syndrome type pandemic. So our bodies just weren't cut out to handle this virus when it hit us. And I think that a lot of people are waking up to that. So thank you for this opportunity. I, I am just filled with so much gratitude. And thank you for allowing me to do what I love best. I, I wanted to 
also mention, and I'm sorry if I've mentioned this before, but I'll say it again. I am on Clubhouse. And so come listen to me moderate with my holistic health besties like Heather Riccio, Rachel Hepner, Dan Voss. I'm, I'm sure I'm leaving people out. What I love about Clubhouse is it's interactive. We can connect and have meaningful conversations. And I also love that it's 100% audio. So you don't even have to look like anything to join. You can come in your pajamas. Podcasting is great, but this is very much a one-way relationship where y'all just listen to me talk for about an hour or so. Whereas on Clubhouse, it's kind of set up like an audio classroom where you can raise your hand and ask questions. You also have the opportunity to just simply listen if you, you know, if you're cooking dinner or something and you you don't have the capacity to participate in a conversation, you can just listen to others talk. And I've made some really, really great connections on this app and I've learned a ton and I've been just a part of a lot of really meaningful conversations that revolve around health and wellness. And I feel like it's making me a better clinician. And I also feel like it's helping me to connect with other like-minded people. And there's something really like this is filling my cup. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. If you need an invite, if you're not on Clubhouse yet and you need an invite, um, you do have to have an iPhone at this time or an iPad. You need to you need to have some sort of Apple device to join. They're working on making it Android friendly. They're just not there yet. Um, but shoot me a message. You can shoot me a DM on Instagram or a Facebook message. I'm not the best at the Facebook messages. I think because I have two accounts, I sometimes miss messages. So Instagram would be the better route. But I'm happy to send invites to whoever wants to join. It's in beta testing. That's why it's invite only. It's not exclusive. It's an inclusive app. They're just in beta testing. So I don't think I would like it as much if it was an exclusive thing. Okay, let me introduce today's guest, Dr. Renee Wallenstein. Dr. Renee is a double board certified doctor who has been working with women for over 20 years. And due to her own personal health challenges, like many of us in functional medicine, she stepped outside the box of conventional medicine to take a radically different approach to healing herself from the deep depths of burnout. So she has a really cool story about her injury came from, I believe she fell off of a horse and suffered some back injury. And she, like, kind of like what I did, I navigated traditional medicine first with my mold toxicity back when I didn't know it was mold. And that's what brought me to functional medicine. Dr. Renee kind of did the same thing. She she went the traditional medicine route to help with healing her back, and she just didn't get the results that she was hoping for. So throughout her journey, she has had her fair share of obstacles and has mastered the art of leaping into transitions with each pivot. Now, Dr. Renee empowers women to take control of their health, jumpstart their energy, improve their confidence, and reignite their libido. So please join me in welcoming Dr. Renee. Well, hey, Dr. Renee, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm a huge fan of you and your work. 
Before we dive in, do you care to just tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. How much time do we have? We have... How I got here today has been not the straightest road. It's been a lot of obstacles, but uh, I am Dr. Renee Wellenstein. I'm a double board certified doctor. So I'm OBGYN and functional medicine. And, you know, it's funny, those of us in the holistic health world, I think we got here because of something personal. I know for 15 plus years of practicing OBGYN, I certainly never, I never even knew what functional medicine was. And I never thought I was going to be in this world, but I had a pretty traumatic accident in 2012. I broke my back. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know, I chased a lot of diagnoses for about two to three years, you know, in addition to having chronic pain, I was, you know, couldn't get out of bed in the morning. And I just, I had two young kids. I have twins. I just wasn't motivated to play. You know, I was just, all I wanted to do was essentially lay on the couch and, you know, make four, poor food choices. And back then I was in the conventional world whereby I was trying to fit myself into a box. Hmm. And the box that seems most appropriate back then was the depression box. So I shoved myself in that box, even though I even questioned back then, like, wow, this just doesn't feel like depression. I don't feel like I'm, I want to cry. I'm not really sad. I just, I'm just tired all the time and I don't have hmm. the motivation and, and I have cravings, all the things. So about two years of chasing my tail with that depression diagnosis, two different medications. I actually, the medication's not helping and, and me just getting frustrated with the side effects. I started to ask questions like, is it something else? And by this point, all of my conventional doc colleagues had given up on me. They were like, we don't know what to do for you. And Mm -hmm. so it was really upsetting because, you know, these are people I turned to for help. And I was just essentially, they didn't know what to do with me. So I, found a functional medicine doc. It was really very interesting how I got connected with her, but I did. And I didn't even know what functional medicine was at that point. And I was just, I just said to her, you know, I don't know what you do, but you got to help me. And so it's very interesting. All in one night, she, we were emailing back and forth. And as I always tell this story, my husband went into the bathroom, I think to take a shower and her and I are going back and forth by email. And she pretty much diagnosed me with adrenal issues. And it's interesting when I looked them up, I was like, wow, that sounds exactly like me. Not only that, she said, what do you, how do you feel about going into functional medicine and joining <laughs> me in practice? And it's so funny. My husband comes out of the shower and I said, honey, uh, I think I have adrenal dysfunction, not depression. And I'm going back and doing a functional medicine fellowship. And I'm joining this woman in practice and, and starting up her brick and mortar about an hour away. And he's like, what? <laughs> This is why I have a podcast called Love Elite because this is how I do things. I just like, you know, I just jump in, I go with my gut and it all just finally that one night made sense. And then I fell in love with functional medicine because if I had a condition and I felt this frustrated and I'm in the medical community and I still can't get help, there's something wrong. Mm. So I did exactly what I said I was going to do. I went back, I did a fellowship. This was January. And then by September that same year, I was in practice, practicing functional medicine and changing lives on a whole different level. And it's interesting because I I couldn't go back to that regular conventional world, knowing so much more that I had learned in medical school, but it was just glossed over. And we were basically taught about diagnoses and, and pharmaceuticals and, you know, all the science behind it was there. I just, you didn't focus on it because that's not really what's emphasized in medical sure. school. So, yeah. And so, yeah. So now here I am today. I actually 
do specialize currently in helping women with low libido, but women with low libido, it's not a one stop shop drug, you know, it's not one thing that usually can help that is a, a myriad of symptoms and, and things going on deep down that are, are causing the low libido. So yeah. And that's, I've never met somebody that specializes in that before. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just think it's such an interesting topic, especially mm-hmm. I like to read a lot of research and more, the more research that I read, the more that I'm understanding that women or just our population in general, we're under a lot more stress mm-hmm. than previous generations. Mm-hmm. And that has to be impacting our libido. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, yeah, I'm wondering, are you, if you could maybe talk about some common things that women are doing or that we are going through that mm-hmm. have a negative impact on our libido? Absolutely. Well, you know, first of all, I would just want to sort of predicate that what I'm going to talk about as far as the underlying symptoms or causes mm-hmm. is that, you know, in 15 plus years of practicing OBGYN, I would have women coming into me complaining and it really had to get bad for them to complain about a low libido. But back then there was a combination hormone replacement that had estrogen and testosterone in it. And that's all I had, because that's what I thought the fix was. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. Number one, I was killing their livers because oral estrogen and testosterone is not good for your liver. But number two, that's not the fix. And so it was interesting. I would give this to women and, you know, I really didn't see them back then as closely as I do. I would now in, in the functional medicine world. And then I went into the functional medicine world and had an office and I continued to play with women in their low libido, not play, but you know, like, okay, let's try testosterone because intuitively you think the big, big difference between men and women are testosterone levels, right? And if men have such better libidos than women, generally speaking, then what's the difference? Oh, it's all it's testosterone. So I did play for over four years with giving my women who came in. And I was actually, interestingly enough, I avoided the topic for 15 years in women because back as an OBGYN, I didn't know what to do with them. There wasn't a ton of research out there addressing low libido in women. And then in the functional medicine world, I would actually ask the women because I was like, you know, I'm, I'm sure I have something in my toolbox that can help them. And so I was helping with giving testosterone cream. But you know what the interesting thing was? Nine times out of 10, it wasn't the fix. It wasn't, you know, they wouldn't come back to me and say, wow, like it's so much better. So honestly, that got me thinking like, we are so much more complex than just giving a testosterone cream. Could that be part of it? Sure. Or trying to help boost a woman's testosterone naturally, that could help, but that's not the end all be all. We are so much more complex than that in a good way. And so there are so many other things. Yes. Stress is huge. And you know, again, when women come to me and say, just give me that testosterone because my husband doesn't think I love him or my relationship is falling Mm -hmm. apart. That is not, we've got to get to the root cause. And again, stress is a huge one right now because it affects, you know, not only mindset and and just that overwhelm and a little bit of resentment in a relationship, especially if a woman is feeling like she's doing it all, especially right now, we got the kids Mm -hmm. home. We're trying to either perhaps she started her own business or she's working from home, or maybe she's even working outside of the home and then having to run home, do the dinner, do the grocery shopping, you know, clean the house, all the things she's falling into bed at night. I've heard this a lot from my female clients of I, and they don't recognize it as a little bit of resentment, but they're tired. And they're like, Oh, I'm so tired. I don't want to have sex. You know, I'm just too busy doing all this. And you come home at night. And so the relationship issues, obviously we have to address, but the stress, the effects on adrenals and cortisol 
is huge. And I think it's currently at an all-time high. I've, I've seen it high throughout my entire medical career, but now it's in this past year, it's all-time high. Mm. So that's just one, you know, and when we talk hormones, you know, a lot of women say, oh, hormonal imbalance. Well, we have more than, we have the female hormones, but there's also the adrenals. Mm -hmm. There's also thyroid. There's also insulin because of our nutritional choices. A lot of Mm -hmm. times that are not as healthy if we are super stressed. So that all impacts our gut health, which also impacts libido. What I'm getting at is like, we just have to peel back the onions of like, okay, where are we going to go for first to try to address, to try to help the libido? So we just keep adding on the layers and we ultimately get to that improved libido. But in addition, better energy, more confidence, just feeling better. I was actually surprised. So I went to a functional medicine doctor when I was diagnosed with mold. Mm-hmm. And that was one of her questions was, well, is your, is your libido low? And to be honest, I hadn't even given that, like, I was like, I, I got something wrong happening here. I've got all these symptoms. Like, I'm not even thinking about that right now because I have all these other things happening, but oh my God, it was true. Like, yeah, that the mold tanked my libido. I, and, and at, like you were talking about other hormones, my cortisol was exhausted. It was bottomed out. And so just learning the intricacies and I'm not a physician, I'm just your lay person. Le- mm-hmm. trying to learn and read how to get better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I just, it was really cool to me that she even thought mm-hmm. to ask that question. Mm-hmm. Cause I had never been asked that question before. Well, you know, most docs don't know how to address it. So they, like mm-hmm. I said, as a conventional OBGYN, I would avoid the, the topic. Yeah. I didn't know how, and I don't want to say fix because you're not broken, but how to help. Yeah. And, you know, to this day, what I've done now is I've pieced together all of the research on everything that can contribute to a low libido. And that's my protocol and how I work with my clients. But there's not just one scientific paper out there to say, do this, do this, do this, do this. It's not out there, you know? So you essentially have to address like what can affect the hormones and all of these hormones and toxicity is definitely one of them. And it's actually something that I focus on a lot, you know, mold, heavy metals, Mm -hmm. but also personal care products, food, environmental, all of it. And a lot of people don't even think that that is even an option is even a problem. And it's a huge, huge problem. Yeah. And I actually wanted to ask you, so I was listening to love the leap and you, you were, you if I can talk English, (laughs) speaking with somebody about clean beauty and Uh green, green Uh self-care products. And I thought this was something I was well-versed in. And I learned about greenwashing, which was really interesting, Mm -hmm. like companies green labeling things Mm -hmm. to make it look like it's like natural, even though natural doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. And it just got me to thinking, we know that they, these products have endocrine disrupting abilities. Mm -hmm. How does that impact a woman's libido or does it? Oh, absolutely. You know, anything that all of these endocrine disruptors in our personal care products, you know, women, they say on average, 168 chemicals, more like the American woman, like 500, you know, (laughs) because each product, I love makeup. And this is why I did an episode on it because I had searched for over a year because I was just like you, I was, I thought I was educated. Oh gosh, no. Cause I was just getting as brainwashed by the greenwashers out there. And again, I kind of knew the natural thing from food. Like when they label food as natural, Mm -hmm. it's not organic, you know? But the same, there's a lot of hidden ingredients that they put on a label exactly like what they want you to see that, you know, no phthalates or no 
parabens, those are key words, but there's other things in there that are disrupting our hormones. So a lot of these endocrine disruptors can act like estrogens. Mm -hmm. And essentially, you know, we're seeing this, and I actually started questioning this back when I was practicing OBGYN. I would see a lot of girls coming in at a young age with early breast development, puberty, young, like really young. I was seeing a lot of younger women, not in the perimenopausal stage of their life, with like estrogen dominance, like all these symptoms of like heavy periods and cramps and irregular periods. I'm like, what is going on? And with that, also the rise of infertility, you had to start questioning, like, what are we doing differently now? And it's a lot of these chemicals that are mimicking our hormones, estrogen, namely, and, you know, putting us in a state of estrogen dominance, which Absolutely. You know, I always say estrogens are hormone. We love it. We're women, right? It makes us beautiful women. It gives us our curves, our, our, you know, nice plush, plump skin, but too much of it can make us moody, irritable, angry, all the things. And classically, I would see when I see a woman out of balance and more estrogen dominant, yes, it could be in the perimenopausal stage, but a lot of times we're compounding that by what we're putting on or in our bodies that contain these chemicals that will mimic estrogen, making our bodies think that we have more estrogen than we really do. And it's making us more irritable, more angry, more moody. And a lot of times that will also lead to that mindset. Like you, you hate your husband most, most days of the month, you know, of course you're not going to want to have sex. And you know, you're leading to menstrual irregularities, you know, you're frustrated because you're bleeding all the time. And so that's how it does it mostly. Mm -hmm. I mean, this, this, and it, it affects men as well. You know, I don't, I don't talk about men as much, but there's all these endocrine disruptors and these estrogen mimickers are actually leading to decreased sperm counts and, and compounding the infertility issue that we're seeing right now. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I, I was just reading um, some research about the link between BPA mm -hmm. and infertility in men. Huge. And it's just crazy. Huge. Yeah. And, and it's so, it's, it can be really disheartening sometimes because then I read that they were, they're replacing BPA with BSA, which is even more toxic than BPA, but it's not as commonly recognized. So companies, they're all about the marketing. Mm -hmm. they, we don't care. You think BPA is bad. So we're going to throw something else in there, yeah. but it's going to be just as bad or if not worse. Actually, yeah, you're absolutely right. And the problem is, you know, they, they label it BPA free. So you're like, oh, plastic. I just always say stay away from all plastics because if yeah. it's BPS, BPF, whatever the substitutes are. It's going to take us years, just like they did. They banned the BPA and baby bottles and such. That yeah. took years of, of research and, and figuring out that it's not good for us, you know? And it's interesting if we take it out of the plastic baby bottles or, you know, all the baby things, like why is it good for adults? It's just as harmful to adults yeah. as it is the babies. So, and so again, it's going to take years for us to see these harmful effects of these substitutes for the BPA. But my motto is just stay away from plastics if possible, as much as possible. Yeah. So a lot of my listeners are young moms, they're new moms for the first time, mm -hmm. and they are doing it all. K mm -hmm. Kind of like the woman you mentioned before. What kind of, like they're busy, they're tired. How can women doing it all keep a healthy libido? Well, you know, the, I see this all the time and, you know, I'm just like her, like I, and I'm, my yeah. twins are now 13, but like we, I'm, I was doing it all as well. And I've, I've continued to try to do it all. But what I have realized is that, yes, we think we're super women. We want to do it all. I always call myself a control freak. Like I, no one could do it better than me. I have to do it all. <laughs> 
But it comes a point where you're just completely exhausted, you're overwhelmed, and absolutely that affects your libido because at the end of the day, like I said earlier, you know, you just want to go to bed, like you're tired and you don't want to, anything to do, especially if that's the only time, especially now in this pandemic, the only time you have with your significant other is like bedtime or in the morning. We're not leaving our house. Our kids are always around. And so the biggest thing is a couple things. Number one, communicating with your significant other because- I work with a lot of women and they think their significant others, husbands are mind readers. They're not hmm. You needed to communicate and tell them exactly how they can help you. It's really interesting. Different parts of our brain get stimulated with stress, you know, like the fear center, all of the, the emotional, not so great areas of the brain get stimulated with stress, but just getting her aroused a little. And that could just mean number one, I don't know about, I don't know about anyone else, but when my husband's cooking dinner or does the dishes or whatever, it's like, oh my gosh, you're helping me. You know, like that actually turns down that stress center in my brain, that anxiety center and actually starts, especially if it gives me a hug, a 20 to 30 second hug stimulates your oxytocin, which is our love hormone or cuddle hormone. And as soon as that goes up, your cortisol, your stress hormone goes down. So I always say giving the significant others, a, a little hint, hint, help out in the house, do the dishes, make a meal, go to the grocery store, take the kids so she can go and get 30 minutes of exercise. But a lot of times if they're not listening to this podcast and didn't hear that. You have to ask them, honey, can you make the dinner? Honey, can you do the dishes? Can you take the kids so I can go do whatever? And I think a lot of women don't ask, they don't communicate. Again, they think that their husbands can read their minds, but you need to ask, you need to set boundaries. You need to stop overscheduling yourself because we are, we're, we're famous for that or infamous for saying we want to get 10 things done in a day. We can only realistically get three. Right. And then we feel like failures at the end of the day. So yes. setting boundaries, asking for help, knowing that you don't have to do it all. And you, you can ask for help. You definitely, even if it's not your significant other, maybe friends can help you because a lot of, women in the last year have given up any little bit of self-care. And I'm not talking about facials and manicures and pedicures. I'm talking about exercise or reading or taking a bath. That for me sometimes is nice self-care with some Epsom salts or meditating or whatever she finds relaxing. We have lost that because we are trying to do it all for everybody. And in that process, we have lost ourselves. Wow. You totally, totally spoke to me when you said the list of 10 things, but you can only get three done Yeah, and feeling like a total, like that was me. And I was at the end of the day, I would make to-do lists that I knew were impossible Mm -hmm. to get done. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the day, I would be like, Steph, you failure. You only got three of these things done. So I tried to change my mindset and then start, I started writing ta-da lists instead of to-do, like, look at what I got done today. (laughs) Yeah, that's excellent. And you know, (laughs) the top three things that you want to get done and you know, everything else would just be a bonus. And I think a lot of us, and that's setting you up for that mindset of like failing every single day and like, oh, I'm not good enough, you know? And I think even working with my clients, like every day I, I encourage them, we all, myself included, we all have to work on our mindset. Like we are, can be our biggest cheerleaders, but our worst enemies. And we say some things to ourselves that we would never say to, you know, our best friend, our kids, you know? So I definitely think mindset for women is a big thing and it's a constant work in progress for all of us. And, you know, I have, I've talked to the best mindset coaches and they, they themselves say every day I am 
doing my mindset work. I am reading the books. I'm listening to the podcast or the listening to the books, like all of the things to constantly remind you. And I think the biggest thing for mindset is knowing when you're having those thoughts, like you, you know, like, you know, like, oh, I recognize that every night I'm considering myself a failure. What can I do? So I don't set myself up for that. Because again, I'm not saying we're never going to have negative thoughts. That's just not realistic. Right. Right. But I think the biggest thing is recognizing when you're in it and what can you do to feel it? Because again, I'm not also not saying like bury it. My thing for 2021 is I was one that would always, if I was upset about something, I would just let it like, okay, I'm upset. I'm upset. I wouldn't let it out. So I would just bury it. And what would happen is like, it's in there. That energy's in there that oh, I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm sad. All the things. And in 2021, I said, I'm going to let it out. I'm going to cry if I want to cry. I'm not going to be that strong woman that never cries. I'm going to scream in a pillow if I want to scream. And honestly, I did this recently where I just felt like I needed to cry. I just sat there and cried. My daughter saw me and I always was like, you know, I don't want my kids to see me cry. Why? Why Why can't we just be showing emotion? So she asked me what's wrong. I was like, mommy's just letting out some emotion. And I have to tell you, I felt so much better just like 90 seconds of crying. I'm like, oh, like so cathartic. And prior to that, I took a nice long walk in nature. Like I just shut out social media. I shut out everything, my business. I just kind of walked away for not long, but I just needed to tune out to tune into me and what I needed to do to feel better. It's so powerful. You're giving me goosebumps. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So you talked about how mindset affects libido, mm-hmm. how self-care products can affect your hormones and different levels. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've kind of recently gone down a rabbit hole studying minerals. Can minerals play a role in hormone development and then also your libido? Yeah. Well, you know, minerals, all the nutrients, you know, it's interesting because we need a lot of them for making our hormones. For instance, I don't think I've ever worked with a woman who's not deficient in B vitamins and and magnesium. Yes. And so, and obviously vitamin D and, you know, they're all so important for making our, not our hormones, but B vitamins get depleted with stress, but we also need them to make such neurotransmitters, the chemicals that make us happy, like serotonin, Mm -hmm. GABA that makes us calm, dopamine that makes us feel pleasure and reward. Like we need those B vitamins to make those really critical nutrients, not nutrients, uh, neurotransmitters. And I hate using that word because it's such a big word, (laughs) the chemicals (laughs) that make us happy, calm, you know, but they get depleted with stress. They get depleted with even, I mean, our standard American diet, let's be honest, is not the best. All the nutrient deficient foods out there that are processed, highly refined, all the good stuff taken out of them. But I even see this in my clients that really are trying to eat a whole food diet because our soils do so deplete in nutrients. So even if we're eating the best, I'm telling you, I've seen them deficient in the B vitamins, magnesium, and vitamin D over and over. The only women I don't see deficient in vitamin D is, are usually the ones that are supplementing. Mm. Uh, Other than that, vitamin D is critical. And it's a hormone, not a mineral, but it's, it's something that many, I think are thinking about more now, especially when it comes to the immune system, but it does so much for hormone production, mood, all of it. So there's definitely a link there and, and nutrient deficiency and not being able for the enzymes to work, to make our hormones. Yeah. And that's where I was going with that because, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Mark Hyman and, and a lot of his work and Zach Bush one of their main points is, is always how our soil is losing its, its 
minerals and it's losing because we just, and, and I want to go into like tilling practices and stuff and spraying with pesticides and herbicides, but basically what I'm learning is you cannot get all of your minerals from even an organic whole foods diet anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering in, in terms of women's health and libido, where, where is that connection made? And then, and yeah, which, which you've said, we need these minerals in order to make a lot of these hormones. Absolutely. And so what do you, do you, do you typically recommend people supplement? I do. Yeah. You know, I have my take on supplements is there are a couple critical supplements that I do believe most women will have to stay on forever, you know, and one is a B vitamin. You can actually get that in a really great multivitamin. Essentially in the past, a great multivitamin meant you had to take upwards of sometimes like 12 capsules a day. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's just too much. <laughs> they're getting better now though. And mm. that they're sometimes are down to like four a day or a couple of days. But essentially the B vitamins and magnesium are, are those critical and even vitamin D are, are pretty much the nutrients or the supplements you're probably going to have to stay on for a lifetime. That being said, there are other supplements that I always say they can be just like prescription medications. You know, uh, for instance, I was just doing a live in my group talking about CBD. And I do think a lot of these things are crutches while you're trying to work on the root cause of why you're feeling sure. the way you're feeling, but they can certainly be band-aids like medications and cover up the problem. And then you're not even going to, you're not getting to the root cause of why you're feeling the way you're feeling. So I do think supplements have their place. Mm -hmm. I do think people can take way too many, especially if they're looking on the internet and saying, Oh, this helps this, this helps this. And they're just, <laughs> I've had clients in the past come in on a slew of supplements. I'm like, why are you all, you're on three supplements for, with the intended purpose of the same <laughs> outcome. And I'm like, you don't really need three. Like, let's just pick one <laughs> unless, you know, and, and, you know, if we do testing, let's test and see, I like to test. I don't test everybody. And then that's where my empiricism comes in. Like what has in the past, have I seen of all my 20 years of working with women that they're deficient in and, and, and then also strategically supplementing based on symptoms until we get to the root cause of how they're feeling. Wonderful. I love that answer so much. Yeah. To it, Yeah. And, and I also, I've heard there's nothing wrong with maybe like intelligent allopathy, right? Like helping somebody to, you don't want to feel miserable while you're healing. So mm -hmm. I like that you mentioned that mm -hmm. some of these things are band-aids while you're still working to get to the root cause, because you don't want the person obviously to feel miserable if you can help it. Exactly. You know, I mean, I think it was big right now when it's talking about ashwagandha, all the adrenal gland adaptogens, mm. um, you know, you have mushrooms, you have reishi, all of the things and they're great. I mean, the mushrooms are a different story. They're sort of have other benefits, but like, you know, again, while you're getting your stress under control, you know, I do, I'm a big proponent of stress management and figuring yeah. out what that looks for like for you and not trying to combat the stress all the time with ashwagandha or my other favorite supplement, L-theanine, which is my ultimate favorite. Oh. Have you ever heard of L-theanine? I'm drinking matcha right now. There you go. <laughs> yep. And not everyone loves matcha. I always said that was, that's like a great source, a natural source of it, but, or just take a supplement, but yeah, my favorite is from green tea, amino acid from green tea that helps calm you. And I honestly think, again, that's a way of people taking something to help them stay calm, stay off the Xanax, if, I mean, I'm not saying medications are bad and I definitely think some people are candidates for medications, but I don't think everybody should run to their doc and say, I need something for my anxiety. If it's not severe and you're willing to work on it with some lifestyle changes, throw some L-theanine on there while you're working on reducing your stress. And 
I don't mean to sound so like cavalier, like, oh, just reduce your stress because I know I have stress as well, but I consciously try to work on it every day because when people say, oh, stress is killing me, it is, it is killing us. It is killing us and it's causing a lot of chronic disease and inflammation. So first and foremost, especially when it comes to hormones, libido, all the things we combat stress first, because I, and relationship and mindset, we tried to work on all those because I can do all the things, medical things in the world. But if, unless we empower ourselves to take control of our stress, work on our relationships and our mindset, nothing's going to work. You are so freaking smart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Thank so you. like, you get it. You get it just it. makes sense, right? Yeah. Like, it just makes sense. And this is why, you know, it's not a pale thing. And, and this is why not everyone's a candidate for working with me because not everybody wants to work. Um, right. You know, and I could be your guide and I can help, but at the end of the day, you're the one that has to implement and work. So, so there are going to be the people that are running to their OBGYN or their functional medicine doc and say, give me that testosterone cream. But we, we are so much, and I don't want to say much more complex because, and we are, but we're so much more special than that. <laughs> we, just yeah. don't, we can't be fixed with just that one thing. Oh, goodness. I feel like I'm just learning so much from you today. Do you have, when you do measure hormones for, for women, do you have a favorite method? I've, I've heard a lot of doctors talk about saliva versus urine because they're a little bit more sensitive than blood, but that's just a debate that I've kind of come to. Well, I live in New York, so we, there's a lot of testing that we cannot do. I, I don't know if you know that, but New York is very restrictive as far as testing. So the way I, my favorite way of testing always is saliva, especially cortisol. But in the past I have done serum testing, but you know, when you do the saliva testing, you actually, you measure the free hormone, especially for the cortisol. And not only that, you know, when we're testing cortisol for stress, there's so many factors that go into boost bumping up a cortisol. If you're doing it in a lab, I don't love needles. So, you know, a lot of people don't either. So you're sitting there with someone coming at you with a big, large bore, straight needle. It's like, (laughs) there goes your cortisol level. You know, maybe you're running, you're running to work and you walk into the lab and it's packed with people. It's like, oh, I got to wait. There goes your cortisol level. Like there's just so many factors externally that can influence that cortisol versus when you do it at home, you're just spitting in a tube and you're relaxed and you're not, there's none of those external factors that can influence your cortisol. As far as female hormones, you know, you could do serum, you could do a blood test. And I know a lot of my former patients would do that just because a lot of times insurance would cover it versus the saliva. A lot of times insurance may not cover that just because it's, it's out of the box. It's different, but I, I would do both. I would, sometimes I would just do both and we would, we would compare, but if someone's really strapped financially, you know, I just do the cortisol and saliva and, and blood for the hormone levels and address it from there. Yeah. I have one more question for you and it's kind of speaking of out of the box. What is something that you know now that you wish you would have known five or 10 years ago? Oh, this is my question of mine. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) I'm going to ask you the same thing when you come to my podcast. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) And it's so funny. I ask and I never, I mean, I feel like there's just so much I think what I know now is there are so many things that we're dealing with women or men that just with simple lifestyle changes can be ameliorated, can be improved. And you don't need the pill. You don't need, you don't need the next best diet. You can actually 
do this all yourself with some really, and I'm not saying simple. I don't want to simplify lifestyle changes because if you are, you know, and I've been through the gamut of all the different lifestyle changes. I used to be a busy OBGYN, so I didn't eat the best. I never slept, probably didn't drink enough water, all of the things. And it's simple to say simple, but it does take effort to change your lifestyle. But so many things, and I don't think people know how it feels to feel good. Like I think mm. they think, oh yeah, I feel okay. No, no, no. Do you know what it feels like to feel not even good, great, amazing, like energetic, no brain fog, clear in the head, focused, and many people don't. And that's all within your power. You just have to strategically come at your stress, come at your nutrition, get some exercise in there, get some sleep, water, and uh, you could feel like a different woman. And again, not overnight. It does take some time. You know, when I recovered from my adrenal issues, it did take a couple of years, but I have to think it didn't take, it didn't happen to me overnight. It was years yeah. of medical school, OBGYN residency, practicing OB twins. And then I fell off that horse, which was like literally the, the straw that broke the camel's back, but it's all doable. It's all within your power. And there was, you know, myself included a little over five years ago, thought it was that magic depression pill that was going to make me feel better. And it wasn't, and it was mm-hmm. all within me to take power. I didn't do anything magical. I took some supplements. I changed my lifestyle. And to this day, like my back pain's better. I'm obviously can get out of bed at five o'clock in the morning and exercise and eat well, all the things I couldn't do yeah. six, seven years ago. So it's all within your power. That's, that's powerful. And I think that's something that in today's world, I don't know if it's like learned self, like helplessness or I feel like the media, the one thing they don't tell you is you are in control of your own health. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, we, we are, we're taught to rely on somebody to fix us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to be conspiracy theory, but we are taught to, you have a symptom, go to your doctor and get a pill and it'll make it all better. I mean, that's why there's so many pharmaceutical commercials on TV. And it's interesting. I was reading, I was listening to something recently, probably a podcast. Cause that's what I do mostly. And there was, you know, they were saying like, you notice a lot of these pharmaceutical commercials on TV. I don't watch television pretty much at all, but they'll come on in the evening when your brain is starting to get into that, like mm. more calm, relaxed state and like that dreamy state. And it sort of subconsciously goes in your head. Like I have reflux. I need that pill. And again, it's not conspiracy theory, but it's really sure. it's science. And these are Harvard trained docs talking yeah. about this kind of things going on in our media and sort of coaxing us to think like, I have this symptom. I need this pill versus like, okay, I have this symptom reflux, for instance, what could be causing it? And a lot of people think too much acid. It could be too little acid. It could be the foods you're eating. It it could be stress. It could be a lot of things. So I think it's just a matter of knowing that, okay, I have a symptom before going to the doc, unless it's really bad, what can I do about it? And not only that, I think as women, we're all and men included, but we're all so busy nowadays. We don't even feel what our bodies feel like. We don't, right? Like we are just, we're not slowed down enough to say, oh my gosh, I ate that food and I feel a little reflux. We're always feeling these symptoms and we just pop the Tums, pop the pills to try to make it better. And if you could just get to the root cause of why you're feeling that you don't even need the pills. So, Or, or even worse, we just accept it as, oh, this is, it's normal to have a yeah. stomach ache after I eat. That's just what life is about. And yeah. I can't tell you how many girlfriends I sit down, sit down with over time. And it's like, no, like you're not supposed yeah. to feel like crap after you eat. That's not what's supposed to happen. Yeah. But we just get conditioned to think that, oh, this is, this is normal. I can't, I just must live with it. 
And, yeah. and it's, I think for me and my journey, that's what was so frustrating because when I, when I had my mold exposure, my symptoms came on fast and strong and I knew something was wrong, but my lab work didn't show anything. And I went to, I think seven doctors and it was so frustrating because I knew I didn't feel as good as I used to, but I couldn't, I didn't know what it was and I couldn't describe it. And I didn't know what, what that root cause was. And I wasn't measuring all any of the right things to get at what was happening and, mm-hmm. Ultimately, that's what led me to find find functional medicine. And see, we all have our stories. See that? We all, like, yeah, yeah. We all get here, and because and you have to look for it. And that's the other big thing I want to sort of a takeaway is you have to be your own advocate for your health. Unfortunately, nowadays you really have to. Don't be afraid of your doc. Talk to them about certain things. You know, I always educate my community. It doesn't hurt to ask. You might get poo pooed. You might get you know, but ask the questions, do your research. Obviously I don't want you starting any crazy supplements. If you're on medications, you obviously want to talk to your doctor, but like, you know, I think you've, you have to keep your own best interest in mind. Docs are great. I'm, and I can speak from this because I was in the conventional world for over 15 years, but we're busy. We're seeing a lot of patients, yeah. especially now, and they don't have time to do the deep dive into, you know, again, for instance, I was just talking to C- about CBD with my community and it's like your doc will, won't, will tell you whether or not you can take it because they've not done the deep dive as far as medication interactions and such, because it's, it's a lot of extra work that they have to do. Yeah. So, you know, try to do your best weeding through the information on the internet. There's a lot of information that some of it's not true, but, and get a guide. Like you're, you know, I know you're probably a guide and help people with mold and, you know, and you get someone who who's been there, who's done it and who's, who has the solution because the quickest point from A to B is that straight line, not my line where I was all over until I got that guy just to guide me to the next level. Mm. I mean, that's when my journey was cut so much shorter because I wasn't grasping at straws and just trying everything. It takes a lot of this throwing spaghetti on the wall out of yeah. it, you know, and trying <laughs> yeah. and trying to remedy yourself with everything you're reading on the internet. It's a lot of money spent on supplements and diets and all the things. And at the end of the day, it's not helping. So you really just want to get somebody who's been there, done it and has a quicker path to your end point than getting there by yourself. And I just want to add like the low libido. It's funny. You said the, the normalcy of, of a lot of things. A lot of women think it's normal to have a low libido because mm. that's what they've been told by their doc. And it's because you had kids, it's because you're getting older, it's because you're in menopause. And I heard this over and over again for years. And it's kind of, it's kind of become one of my pet peeves. And that's the biggest thing with me on out in the world on social media is this shout from the rooftops. It's doesn't, it's, it's not, there's not really a normal, but if it's not where you want it to be, it can be helped and improved. Mm, Love that. So. Yeah. And I, please um, don't take, I, I'm, I am not poo-pooing on the doctors that I saw. They were wonderful. Oh yeah. Just mold, mold wasn't in their, in their forecast. Like that just wasn't, that was an outside of the box test that somebody thought of for me. Yeah. And it's funny you said that. Cause my doctor, the same thing, I love her to death and it's, I'll, I'll go to see her to this day every year. And she's like, Renee, she goes, I only prescribe toxic medication. And she's like, I honestly need to see you. <laughs> uh, she's like, because you know, she now is aware that like hers, they just cover up. They're just a bandaid. And if you need them, because I'm married to a hospitalist, he goes in and take care, takes, takes care oh. of people that are critically ill. That it's interesting. We used to go out to when we used to be able to go out to parties and events, people would say, well, how do you, how's your house like? Because you're alternative and he's very conventional. And I'm like, and he always pops up and says, well, I'm the one, if you see me, I get you better and at least out of the hospital. But so you don't return to the hospital, you see her. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. And yeah. I, I worked at a hospital for years and we had some hospitalists that were 
uh, outside of the box thinkers mm-hmm. that I was super, super impressed with. Yeah. Their, their goal is to keep you alive yeah. because, and there are some great drugs that'll do that. Yeah. But at the same time, just before going as a, as an occupational therapist, you know, my role was to, are you safe to go home? What's, what's mm-hmm. the safest discharge for you? Do you need to go home? Do you need to go to some rehab mm-hmm. and just being a part of the discharge process, the questions that the hospitalists would ask and follow up on. It's like, this is, you are thinking bigger picture, holistic. I was, it was really cool, really cool to be a part of that. Yeah. And yeah, I do think it's part of the institution as well. Some kind of poo poo that and others embrace that it depends on the institution. And my husband mm. thinks like me at home here a lot on a lot of fronts. Um, he would actually ask me about certain things at dinner. You know, how, what do you think of this thyroid and what should I do about this person's thyroid? Because again, most docs don't check the blood work. I used to check for thyroid, but, but when he has to sort of switch into doc mode, when he's at the hospital and like, again, switch into the, okay, I got to get you better got to get you off a ventilator on the intensive care unit and and back home. So definitely place for his medications. And then there's a place for me as well. So I agree with you. I don't poo poo either. And again, they usually, most docs, if you're humble enough, I, for instance, as an OB would see women before I did functional medicine, it would come in because I live in New York. They come, you know, they'd have a doctor in New York city who was, they were much more progressive than we were where I live prescribing bioidentical hormones for women. And back then I didn't know what those were. Like I was in my little box of, okay, I have Premarin. I have, you know, like all the pharmaceuticals. Yeah. And I would say to them, oh gosh, I don't know about those hormones, but let me do your exam. And let me send you back to your doc so she can prescribe those hormones for you. And I think I'd like to say that I was humble enough to know that I didn't know something, Mm. but not to poo-poo it and say it was wrong. And I, to this day, respect docs. Like I used to be in that conventional world that respect what I do because at the end of the day, we're a team. Yeah, we're a team. absolutely. We're a team for the health of our clients and our patients. And my goal in life is so someone, I want to get you before you have that diagnosis. I want to get you before you get to the extreme of a low libido that's ruining your marriage. But it, part of it's putting it on the radar that there's help out there and you don't have to get to those extreme levels before you actually get the help. Yeah. And if it's okay, you, you made me think of one more question. Typically the people that I, that I work with are not on hormonal birth control, but you mentioned something about hormonal birth control. What, what does that play? What kind of role does that play in libido? Oh, it crushes it. Ah. Crushes it. <laughs> crushes it. You know, it's so funny. Cause this is something I do as a conventional OB. And it's actually one of the only things that I did know because oral contraceptives will increase something in your called sex hormone binding globulin. And essentially what that does is it binds up testosterone. So I always had this, I I would always say like tongue in cheek, like kind of laughing, like, oh, birth control pills prevent pregnancy in two ways. Number one, you don't ovulate. Number two, you don't have a sex drive Mm. Um, because there is a very real scientific reason why that happens. And, you know, I just recently got a message from someone who has been off birth control pill for like six months, but it still doesn't have a libido and she's 21, you know? And it's like, wow. Yeah. And I was like, well, it could, it, it does take time for sort of your body to readjust off the pill. We know this, there's like this post pill amenorrhea that women get, they don't get a period. So sometimes it takes women, some women come right back a month after going off. Others take upwards of a year, if not longer, but it definitely can throw off all things in your body, including your testosterone, because the free testosterone is really what, you know, and we don't have a lot of it compared to men. And I always say that it does contribute a little bit to libido, but also like lean muscle mass and, and, and weight and such. This is why men, you know, have no problems losing the weight 
with, you know, snap of their fingers or gaining muscle or mm. having a better sex drive because theirs is so much higher than ours. So I always say to women, the little bit we do have, we want to, we want working and the birth yeah. control pill will definitely be a roadblock to that. Interesting. So interesting. Well, Dr. Renee, thank you so much for, for your time and your expertise. I will make sure to put in the show notes links where everybody can find you on Instagram, Facebook, your website, your podcast, Love the Leap. Is there anything else that I haven't covered that you wanted to share? No, I think we covered a lot. I mean, I could talk for hours with you on like (laughs) women's health toxins, uh, everything and libido. But uh, no, I mean, I talk about it enough all over social media. I do libido masterclasses. So if anyone wants a little more information on that, come find me. But yeah, no, this was great. And I can't wait to have you on my podcast. So stay tuned to your audience. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Dr. Renee. That's it for today. If you enjoyed this episode, hit the subscribe button. Give me a rating and review. I read every single review and I take your feedback seriously. So if you have something to say about this podcast or you have some feedback, please leave me a rating and review. I really do take the time to look at those. Think about five friends who could use some help managing their hormones and copy the link to this episode and send it to them in a text. We need to normalize this information and get it out there. And so any way you can think to share this information, I really want you to focus on five friends who need help with their hormones. And we'll just start there. And then they can send it to five friends who need help with their hormones. If you want to connect with Dr. Renee, I've got her links posted in the show notes so you can find her there. And check out her podcast, Love the Leap. She has a fantastic podcast. I love it. I think she is, she gives information in nice bite-sized pieces and she's fun and informative. And like I said before, just a cool person. I feel like we all probably want to be like her (laughs) because she's just cool. Okay. That's it for today, friends. Go back out in the world and be well and be kind.